0: How do we know what is best for us? We have instincts, we have education, we have guides. Yet what if our instincts, education and guides are throwing us chaotic signals that contradict and gainsay each other? What do we do? Humans are essentially social creatures, yet there are important needs of solitude we are not all comfortable dealing with. As a result, loneliness, depression and anxiety have become the problems of our time. Do we lack a sense of connection with the community and the natural world? That is very likely a contributing factor to the lack of social and communal cohesion. Once again, speaking with Lilik makes me think how close we all are to dealing with climate catastrophe on a daily basis. What are our needs? No, not our luxuries. Our needs—have we replaced the solid wall that separates these two clear states of relevance with fine satin sheet? Thank you, Lilik for your time and patience. Enjoy the podcast from Two on a Mic Is I think it's really cool, and um, that is what I wanted to say. Two and two, 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 two and well like, mi Lilek, it's great to have you back. Um, so we, as we kind of concluded part one, uh, we were about to get into the nitty gritty, the details of uh, the Earth Holder mission. Um, yes. and, and this is, so when I first got an email from you, it was the Earth Holder mission. And I was like, okay, wow, what is the Earth Holder mission?
1: Well, it's interesting that you say Earth Holder mission because I think I've never used that word in that context, the <laughs> mission.
0: Sorry, um, I added that. I, yeah,
1: hopefully. yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, well, we are the we are part of the Earthholder community, and the Earthholder community is part of the Plum Village tradition. It was founded from a very, as as far as I understand, uh, in the U.S. in 2015. I think uh, it started from a very small retreat. And people wanted to engage more uh, and and also talk about earth justice. Let's say we talk about social, climate justice. Earth justice is justice that uh, encompasses kind of everything. It's about racial justice, social justice, and uh, climate justice. And um, the earth holder is actually a bodhisattva, like a great being, um, which which is known to hold the earth. So it exists in in the Buddhist canon, and it is uh, used as a symbol for this mission, as you say. And uh, there are certain principles to the earth holder community, which we all feel, um, which we all commit to, which is earth justice and then uh, collaboration or cooperation with other Other climate justice actors, for example, we cooperate with Extinction Rebellion in Berlin. Not every earth holder community does that, but um, they might have other people or organizations they collaborate with. And then, of course, uh, mindfulness practice. So we uh, ourselves try to find uh, new ways of practicing mindfulness with the earth and for the earth and, of course, the people and the beings on earth. And we try to um, also integrate that. We've talked about that already, like our activism is spiritual activism or sacred activism as as the term is now coined, apparently. Mm, and we we try to be mindful of what we are doing and how we're doing it. And we we also try to spread that, but not as a mission, but as an offering. You know, we, for example, offer walking meditations or sitting meditations, uh, eating meditations and uh, some other practices that we might talk about and or we might not. Let's see how it fits.
0: Mm. Yeah, I, I find it thoroughly interesting because so much of the Western education that I've received, when when the conversation always talked about history, it talked about the some of the, the, the power uh, plays of religions and how they are very much guided towards their own um, uh, empowerment, their own growth, their own enrichment. But when there are these other beliefs which are not of a western orientation, and they always talk about um, the earth, other life forms, nature. These are in some ways frowned upon because we've come oh, but look we have the science and we've got this and we've got that and you know these people that you know, spiritualism and the um you know, this this sort of nature embracing tree hugging lifestyle i mean that doesn't represent who we are and what humanity has become but that statement couldn't be further from the truth really
1: that's total bullshit because science proves all the, all of that science proves that we are one, and it's not only science, it's very logical now that we know about the like evolution on earth, more or less, there's so much that we don't know, but what we kind of know is that we evolved from like non-animate matter, it kind of happened, we don't, we still don't know how, like all of the science uh, uh, in the world cannot explain how life how life came to be, but it kind it did come to be, and this is what religion tried to explain. But what science explains is that we inter are we don't coexist. We inter are with all of the other life forms. Without the atmosphere, we couldn't be alive. Without some fishes having developed the spine, uh, we could not stand uh, up straight. We we are a product of millions and billions of years of evolution, and and this is this is something amazing. And let's say at least I can only mm, talk about my tradition. It's not seen as a contradiction. Uh, actually, shows that those things, science and spirituality, go together very well when you think about things being in an ecosystem and co on each other. Um, and this is also the basis for our activism saying that, well, uh, we're not only acting for the earth, but we're acting for ourselves and for each other. And because we have seen this link, we know that we must act because we cannot exist without water air, uh, other species, uh, and whatnot, you know?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm completely with you. Um, And just to give a couple of really simple examples, when recently I had to go in for physio, um, I was taught to breathe again. You know, breathing is such a fundamental part of our own well-being, but because I've breathed all my life, I feel that like, oh, I'm an expert I know how to breathe. And yet, if you really want to improve some of the, uh, the weaker aspects of our anatomies as we grow older, we have to pay attention to these kinds of techniques. And these techniques are inherently taught in many natural spiritual traditions.
1: They are. I'm, I, I, I once thought that, for example, Buddhism is a religion of the breath. Because everything in, in meditation, for example, happens through through the breath or at least with with the help of, of the breath. And this is also what science shows, again, that right breathing can help you with almost everything. And that it's crucial because, of course, everyone will say, yeah, of course, um, if I don't breathe anymore, I will die. That's so logical. But... How I breathe, and uh, how much, how long, how deeply. This is something that we we don't think about. And even the connection with our breath is one thing, but also connection with our bodies. Like we treat. I'm I'm a telephone coach. I'm I'm a I'm a psychologist. So I, I talk to the people who who are exhausted and who have been neglecting their bodies and their minds. Mm, For years and years, and this is also a symptom in in our society, that we think that we can rule over our bodies with our mind um, without really accepting that we're a team and that our body is not only the vehicle, but we are entirely dependent on our bodies to function. And this is something that you realize uh, only when your body says, Uh, no, I'm not working with you or like you want anymore.
0: Yeah, and uh, the second example I'm going to give is yoga. So for many years, I've had problems with my back. Um, I've been to doctors. They've taken x-rays. I've been given medication. I've been told do this, this and that. Um, And I did all of the other scientific uh, stages, as it were, to try to eradicate my back problem. But I never went to yoga. And I've had students. I've had friends. I've had people say to me, go do yoga. I started doing yoga and my back is so much better. And and yoga is also firmly um, held within some of these spiritual traditions. They originate from these traditions, I believe
1: yeah what we've what we've made of it is also something very western that it's a kind of wellness lifestyle. I mean, it's good to do it, but it's also about really connecting with your body and training your mind and um and and again, it is being scientifically proven that yoga is effective. I mean, like thousands of years of yogic practice and experience have not been sufficient for Western people to say, "Okay, it works. They have to study it and prove (laughs) it with their methods. And change change it. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Adapted. (laughs) It's kind of normal that things when they migrate from culture to culture, of course, they're adapted and they kind of need to be adapted. But sometimes they're uh, it's 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 a kind of um, not upgrade, but downgrade. Yeah. You know, you, because you take something from it, that, which is very much the soul of it. And then you only practice form without content. And and one, one more thing. You talked about tree hugging. Even the tree hugging or how we say now, like the Japanese concept of um, bathing in the forest, Waldbaden, is now proven. It is healthy. Because why? We have lived in forests for thousands one hundreds of thousands of years and of course our system responds to that i mean before we started cutting down all the trees to build stuff and burn them and whatever but it, it comes from our evolutionary history and this is why tree hugging is healthy yep
0: it really draws a picture doesn't it that over over the centuries perhaps since uh, industrialization we have perhaps as a human race as a species lost our balance within the natural uh, ecosystem that we inhabit Because we have lost our connection with the natural world. And bit by bit, the further we go from that natural world, the more difficult it is for us to understand our connection with it. And we have lost so much as a result.
1: Yeah. And I mean, like we have lost the understanding that we are part of the natural world. Because, again, it starts when you say we have lost our connection with the natural world we are part of the natural world and this is again where i can mention the work that reconnects of joanna macy which is one it's in that it's in the title you know it's a work that reconnects because we need that reconnection i'm not talking about you know like i i also meditate on that topic of course nature is is horrifying is brutal let's say and is dangerous in a way we we were you, you know, we we try to protect ourselves and it's kind of a, a natural thing, but it has it has taken on forms that are not healthy anymore because we're so disconnected from even going to the forest. And like breathing in the forest that uh, that we we think we are totally independent from the natural world, which leads us to this extractivism and to really finding our comfort in the material things, which is not really an it, it doesn't really help us so much because we see that in our society, uh, loneliness and depression and anxiety is is so it's it's the it's the problems of our time, and this comes also from and not having a sense of community or a sense of connection with other people, with other beings, with the natural world anymore. And and this is why we desperately need that. I once read an article which was really interesting about how humankind is kind of in a state of dissociation, is a kind of is kind of traumatized from a psychological point of view. And because we we have been disconnected for so long. Um, that we we don't really perceive ourselves as part of all this, and that makes us unhappy.
0: Yeah, I, I completely buy into that because um, the more that I have read, um, not necessarily about spirituality, um, but about the, the human mind, human behavior, the way we respond to things, history, our development, has always pointed to the fact that we are, we miss things at certain stages. And the thing is, what we are missing, we're actually removing from ourselves uh, deliberately, but at the same time, without knowing. Um, and, and I think you're correct. You're also very correct to correct me with my use of with as a preposition uh, in the case, <laughs> which was ho- wholly unnecessary. So thank you for that. Um, but it does bring me also to another point that uh, we wanted to talk about in, in this part, which is um, activism and why activists are considered to be by certain parts uh, or certain areas of, this, of society as extremists. Whereas when we open our minds to understand the truth of what you are here saying and which I'm agreeing with completely um, is that defending the natural world is not an extreme position to take
1: yeah it is just it seems to be extreme because we're so extremely disconnected and we're so extremely um, we have shifted to the other end of the spectrum the more um, technical aid the more technical mm, means we have the less we are in contact with uh with the kind of evolutionary reality of course it's maybe that can be misunderstood everything is evolution like uh, also the the mm, computer that we talk through is part of evolution is part of our intelligence and our um way of of our creativity of course mm, but it, it leads us somewhere where we are in a way not as happy this is just a fact like for now so we seem to need this other part too and this is extreme because it's our hubris to think that we're the best species, the most developed species, and uh, of course, the most important species. And this hubris has led us to uh, forget that we're, as I just said, entirely dependent on very, very basic things like the air and the water and the microbiome in our guts, for example which we have not worked for at all, we have inherited it, it is, it's come for free, more or less, and so this is extreme, this view of us being totally separate, and this is why people like activists, however you want to call them, who try to raise awareness um, and to try to say, hey, listen, this is not the way it should go, they're perceived as extremists, because of course their position is very different from the mainstream position and uh, i think uh, when you look from the from the perspective of an activist our world is extreme you know i started going to to the supermarket and telling myself this is crazy like look at it look at it with a critical eye and ask yourself how many companies are producing like Five types of butter and soy yogurt or meat or whatever, and 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 we we don't need that at all. And how many things are being thrown away? So once you start scratching the surface of our very much developed and uh, technically uh, evolved uh, society, I think that's also at least my my evolution, um, you start becoming aware of the, the craziness of that and how extreme this society has become in a way. And the interesting thing is that we are still extremely human, all of us. We have the same basic needs as thousands of years ago or maybe hundreds of thousands of years ago. This is still the same but the 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 way we try to get these needs met and the way way we try to protect ourselves from death and suffering has become quite extreme or can can be quite extreme
0: yeah and yeah understanding these uh these issues and, and also our own mortality is something which has become much much more difficult for us we live longer um we are greedier we want more things we want to see more things we want to experience greater things Um, and and our expectation levels have become almost unattainable uh, in many ways because whatever we do it's never enough and and this is perhaps uh, an unfortunate reality that uh, society has to face and you know, We have to take less holidays um, abroad, we have to fly less, we have to consume less meat, we have to use less uh, plastic in our packaging. Um, and all of this points to perhaps something which would be considered an inconvenience. But in fact, these temporary inconveniences uh, are there to save us from a much greater inconvenience later on in life.
1: Exactly, we've talked about that too. That's exactly that's again the long term view, and again, what you consider necessary in your life. And I think you know, like the thing is that many people in COVID times they have realized that those basic things like uh, being able to go outside and and meet. 10 or 20 people at the same time is a luxury can become a luxury or just meeting your friends or visiting your family without being afraid of getting sick or or infecting others that that i think that in a way brought us back but the backlash now is that we're so happy that everything is uh, back to normal let's say um which is not true but it is the, there's this wish of things becoming like being normal again leads us maybe to going back to flying to to doing even more partying or whatever. And, um, I know there are statistics. maybe not all of that is true, but I think we fly even more than before, although we have seen that the positive effects of not flying on the on the, on the climate and the environment, you know. And so this is also something very human. And it's in a way understandable, but it's tragic because we're destroying our future and even our present. And, and this is something I think that, that is not so extreme that we as activists want to point, uh, want, want to point out. And we want to tell people, listen, we can be happy with less longer and this is why for example we we will do there um like some days ago i think on the 2nd of august we um sadly had the earth overshoot day which means that uh, the resources of the the natural resources of the planet um are, are used up in the world. And, and we, we, we want to raise awareness. And this is why we will sit outside in meditation and ask people like with sandwich boards, asking the question, what do I really need to be happy? Or what do I wish for our planet, our home? And, and so that people may be inspired to think about these questions again and again. Like we are not dumb. We do think about those questions when we lack those things, like the, those things that we lacked in the, in the pandemic, for example, but we tend to forget. And this is why mindfulness is so important because we need to practice. Even like activists, they need to practice to keep up their spirit and also their positivity or their love for life and humankind.
0: Yeah, yeah and this is a, a very powerful uh, thought as well this this principle this uh, this basic need of love um and sharing it with others so that they may also experience it. Um uh, sometimes i feel that um uh, the more hateful people among us are actually the loneliest and the ones most in need of love um but they perhaps sometimes feel unable or unwilling to ask for it um but yeah, that's a different uh, that's a different conversation um Lilek thank you very much um we very we came very close also then to moving further into the world of uh, of psychology which I would love to do um with you because you're a, such a professional in the area. Um but then yeah maybe I'll have to uh, yeah lay out my demands and requests a bit more clearly <laughs> about that. Um, yes. Yeah. But uh, thank you very much again for your insight. Every conversation is an education. Um and, and I thoroughly appreciate it and um and and I look forward to the next one.
1: Well I try to serve as much as I can otherwise I will feed my ego and but thank you still thank you for um for your kind words and it it was a pleasure it it went by very fast um time time flew and i'm looking forward to um two. talking more about two. those topics that are very close to my heart two. and to yours too and right okay.
0: very much so two. two and a mic two, two.